Amen. I hear a hum. Do you hear a hum? Okay. Just wanted to make sure it wasn't in my head. You know, as I age, sometimes you think, I might be hearing things. I still hear it, by the way, a little bit. <laughs> oh, it's good to be together this morning. Welcome to our family. I'm Dan. I'm the lead pastor here. If you're new, we're just really glad you're with us this morning. Um, I'm excited today because we're going to take another step deeper into understanding who the Holy Spirit is and how to live with him and walk with him today. So I'm going to pray as we start. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Spirit, the, the word of God tells us that you know the mind of God. There's no one who knows the thoughts of God like you. You are God. And we come to you today to ask for you to open up to us the deeper things about yourself and about God. We want to have insight. We want to understand how to walk in step with you. And we want to be led by you and live in the fullness of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thanks. The Holy Spirit is, is both mysterious, he's unpredictable. Recently, we've had some visitors to, um, to Hilliard, to our city. I had been hearing about them, but honestly, I was skeptical that they really existed. And more than once, my family said, oh, no, they're, they're here. And I'd go look, and they, they wouldn't be there um, until last week. I got in the car, I was driving here, and all of a sudden, they appeared right in front of me on Cemetery Road. And as, as, quick, as quick as that, they were gone. Um, last Wednesday night, it got a little more personal because we had some people over, some LCCers, and we were in our house, and we heard something on the roof, all right, of the house. Like, what is that? We walk outside, and one of them was there. And I'm talking about the turkeys. Do you know about the turkeys? Oh, my gosh. The wild turkeys have invaded, have come to Hilliard. I don't know why they're here, but they're here, and always three of them there are. I don't know if you've noticed that, but they... They tend to be in threes. They seem to come and go as they please, and they're like, they're very mysterious, kind of like the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and listen, if somebody can use an illustration about slushies with the Holy Spirit, I think I can use wild turkeys, okay? But in all seriousness, I think, I think the Spirit's unpredictability, his, his mysteriousness, if that's a word, it kind of keeps us sometimes at a distance from him and even pursuing what he's about. So today I hope all that changes for you because he is, he is too important to miss. He is too crucial to our spiritual growth to not enter in today. So let's recap a little bit of where we've been the last few weeks as we've been learning about him. We have learned that he is, is both God and a person. By person, I'm not talking about he exists in bodily form because he's, he's spirit, but a person in the sense that he has knowledge, he has feeling, he loves, he grieves, and he's got will. Yes, the Holy Spirit has, has a will. We see this in the book of Acts, right? When Paul tries to go one way and he's stopped by the Spirit. We see it in Acts 10 when Peter's speaking. Now, Peter spoke a bunch of times to crowds, but in Acts 10, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard. We see it in Acts 13. Listen, the church worshiped and they fasted all the time. But in Acts 13, the Holy Spirit literally chooses to speak. And he, he uh, sends out Paul and Barnabas for a mission. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, the Spirit hands out gifts, and it tells us that he hands them out individually as he wills. That's what the Scripture says. The Holy Spirit has a will. We're going to unpack that a little bit more later. We also learn that the Holy Spirit coexists with the Father and Jesus in perfect oneness as God. We can't think too hard about this. This is a matter of, of faith and just trusting what the Word of God says. But God is one, and he exists in three persons. Together they work in concert to accomplish the will of God. And then we talked about how they did that in the life of, of Jesus, right? Because when Jesus was here, we, we see, what we see is he was in perfect union with the Holy Spirit. John Castle talked about this, right? He yielded to the Holy Spirit. He lived in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, his life, his death, his resurrection. They, they represent the coordination of all members of the Godhead to see the mission, to see the will completed. And finally, last week, we learned that something big happened with the Holy Spirit after Jesus left. And Jesus predicted it would happen in John 14 before he was about to leave, before he was about to go to the cross and then leave, he said that the Holy Spirit would come. This is what he said in John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. He will be in you, and this is big. This is a big transition, big change. Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will be in his followers forever. Jesus then went on, went on to, to die for our sins, to rise from the dead. And after he rose, he told his followers to wait for the Spirit to come. And in Acts 2, it happened. We talked about this last week. The Holy Spirit was unleashed with great power at Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit did exactly what Jesus had predicted. He entered those who were believers, Jesus' followers. So the big change came. The Holy Spirit was now in, in the followers of Jesus. Now humor me for a second, all right? So what? What, what does that mean for us today? I'm gonna go up to the upper stage. What does it mean for us today that the Holy Spirit is in us? What kind of difference does it make in our lives? What does it matter in the day today that the Holy Spirit is with us? So I, what I want to do is I want to quickly walk through the role of the Holy Spirit, all right, in our lives. And I want to talk about not just the lives of followers of Christ, but even the lives of people who don't know Jesus. So we've got something here. I just, you can probably hopefully see this. This is represents, this side represents before, before Christ, Okay. And we're gonna, I want to introduce you to somebody here. And as we, as we go through this, I know you're wondering what's going on here. But as we go through this, we're going to ask a couple questions, two big questions that maybe you think about too. One is, why don't I seem to be experiencing the Spirit in my life? Okay? We're also going to address, how am I led? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? So this represents a human being. Let's call him Boba. Okay, he's just a man trying to make his way in the universe. That's just what he does. And let's say, just for illustration's sake, that he has 
Zero connection with Jesus, okay? Doesn't know about the cross, has zero connection. What is the role of the Holy Spirit in his life? Now you would say, right, nothing, because he's not connected with Jesus. Let's look at Job, verse, uh, chapter 34, uh, 33, verse 4, actually. I'm going to go back one here. There it is. Uh, Job said these words, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. The Holy Spirit is often referred to as the life giver. In the, in the Greek, it's the, word, the word pneuma is used. That's breath. He's the generator of life, both biological and spiritual. He's not the force like we know in Star Wars because he's personal. In the New Testament, the word for power that's associated with the Holy Spirit is the Greek word dunamis, which is we get the word dynamic from or, or dynamite. There is power associated with him generating life and bringing life both in biological and spiritual things. We also read in Job 34 that if he were to leave and be taken away, we would cease to be. He's a sustainer too. Now, whether you know Jesus or not, like Boba, you benefit from the Spirit. Okay, so Boba just benefits as, as a human being because of the Spirit of God. But Boba has, we've seen Boba's actions, right? He's got little interest in spiritual things. Why? Why, why do people sometimes just not even think about God? Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians 2 when he says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And Boba is not, he's not spiritually receptive. Before Boba can come to Christ, before he can understand, before he can respond to the death, the resurrection, the forgiveness of Jesus, something's got to happen in him by way of the Spirit, because the Spirit opens and makes people spiritually receptive. He begins to open eyes. He quickens the natural person to spiritual things. Perhaps this is your story. Maybe you were walking through life, and, and all of a sudden, one day it hits you, what am I doing? Why do I, why am I here? And you were drawn. You were asking those questions, and maybe, maybe that was your story. Now, Jesus talks about the Spirit in John 6. And he says, it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Some translations say, unless the Father draws them. And this kind of goes back to the wild turkeys, right? Why, why, where do they come from? Where are they going? The Spirit, we're told, moves like the wind. Everyone who comes into relationship with Christ does so because the Spirit decided to move. And the wind blew. Jesus addresses this in John 3 when he's talking to Nicodemus and he said, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know 
where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit or who has a spiritual birth who comes to Jesus. You ever wonder why people can sit for ages, like even in a, in a service like this, where we talk about Jesus all the time, and then all of a sudden, one day after maybe years, something clicks, that they become receptive, and they embrace the Spirit. Well, part of the, the technique, if you want to call it that, that the Spirit uses to draw us and to open our eyes is, is conviction. Jesus said in John 16, I tell you the truth, it's your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. John unpacked this a little bit. He talked about the word convince and its relation to convict. Ever wonder why people... Sometimes they get to the end of their ropes. Maybe it's something sin, sin going on in their life. Maybe it's an addiction. And they hit the bottom. And then all of a sudden they're receptive. Or they've been living their life the way they thought it would go, and then it disrupts. And they're receptive. Or why son, suddenly somebody thinks about, oh my gosh, there's, there's a life after this life. What's going to happen to me? It's the Spirit. It's the Spirit that opens people up to those questions and to the possibility that there's a God. Maybe you're here right now. Maybe, maybe you're at that place where you're starting to ask those questions. I would encourage you, ask God to reveal more to you through His Spirit, to open your eyes. Well, for illustration purposes, there's good news, man. Boba has received Christ. Oh, my gosh. We've been praying for Boba for a long time. We perhaps even have like a, uh, a baptism service for Boba, which would be kind of cool, right? So we get here. So this is, he's now with Christ, all right? So it's a cause for celebration, and now, what happens when, when Boba has now trusted in Christ's death, his resurrection, he's asked him to be in a part of his life, he's going to follow him as Lord. At that moment, some incredible things happen for Boba. First of all, at the moment he trusts Christ, the Holy Spirit moves in and makes his home, and he stays there forever, just like Jesus said. The Apostle Paul reaffirmed this. Let me go back one here. Okay, here we go. In Ephesians 1, Paul says, In him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You are, are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's official. That word is like there's a stamping on you. You've, you've been stamped. You've been sealed. Put a seal on it. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And with the Holy Spirit moving in, we have inside of us, those who know Christ, we have this life giver 
this life generator, all right? And Tom shared with us last week some of the things that the Holy Spirit does in the believer's life, the Christ follower's life. He helps us in our weakness. He intercedes when we don't even know what to pray for. He's, he intercedes on our behalf. He works out good in our life. He makes us like Jesus. And he glorifies us. We have all of that behind us. We have the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Spirit at our back. He's championing us in Christ. Well, how does he do that? How does he accomplish those things that we see on the screen? What does he do? Well, Jesus tells us exactly how he works. In John 14, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So we've got, we've been given the peace of God, the Holy Spirit. We have a teacher, someone who's going to guide us in our life into what Jesus said. He, we have a reminder, man. I could use a reminder. You know, I need to be reminded of these things. We have like an, a personal assistant who's going to tell us, you know what? I know you're worrying about that. But remember what Jesus said. God provides. God provides for the sparrows. He, he takes care of things. He's going to take care of you. The Holy Spirit. He reminds us. Jesus also said in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come, and he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Do you see how the Trinity works together? The Spirit is glorifying Jesus, and the Spirit is not working independent of the other members of the Father and the Son. But he is actually, he's giving us He's passing on to us our marching orders. This is what the Father wants you to do. He guides us into what is true and what is right. He, he declares what is coming to us. Now, you remember the natural man we talked about earlier, right? Before Boba's conversion. Remember? Well, Paul addresses what it's like now that we know Christ. And he says, says this, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So there, there's an illumination here that happens through the spirit. He not only <laughs> opened us to the cross, but now that we have Jesus, he is opening up further to us the spiritual, the deep things of God. That's what he does. And he does it for the purpose of making us more like Christ. All that happens when Boba trusts Christ. Now, that's not all that happens. There's more. Um, and it's no wonder that Jesus said, it's good that I go away because there's some cool things that happen. The Spirit also has gifts to give to each person. 
and he gives them, as, as we read in 1 Corinthians 12, as he wills. He hands out special ways he's going to work through individuals to accomplish his purposes in the body. And these gifts, when they're under the control of the Holy Spirit, watch out. God's going to use them in powerful ways to build up the body. And 1 Corinthians 12, it's addressed. I'm not going to put it up there, but it, it, it talks about, if you want to read that chapter, it's a great chapter to read. Uh, but it says, each of us is given these gifts, and they're all empowered by the same Holy Spirit in our lives. And then we get to verse 13, chapter 12, where it says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Doesn't matter ethnicity, nationality. Doesn't matter work situation. We were all made to drink of one spirit. So there's a sense of we are together. We have been given gifts to build the body and the spirit that we drink from together empowers us to do that. He generates life through those gifts. The gifts were not given to bring attention to ourselves or to say, wow, look what God gave me. He must think I'm more important. No, they were there to serve the body and ultimately the head of the church, which is Jesus. Now, gifts are different than talents because everybody, every human being has talents, right? But, but only believers have these spiritual gifts, these abilities that God gives. We talk a lot more about that, but here's, here's some of them we see in Scripture, all right? So back to Boba, who is in Christ now, and he's got the Holy Spirit championing him from the inside. So what comes next? Well, what if I told you nothing? Nothing, nothing comes next. Sadly, I think for many Christ followers, our understanding and experience of the Holy Spirit ends at this point, at the moment we receive Christ. We know in our head that he's with us, right? We're glad he's there, but what do we do with the Holy Spirit that's in us? Does he just do his thing and do we just, does he just lie dormant there? Do we really need him? We have Wi-Fi issues in our house, okay? And um, I know it immediately when it's happened because within 10 seconds, sometimes I'll even count if I notice it's gone out. And within 10 seconds, Dad, what the heck? What's going on with the Wi-Fi? Because we know when the power's gone. But do we have a sense in our, in our spiritual lives when the Holy Spirit is active and working? Are we aware when there's been a shift in us to where the power comes from uh, kind of what we do ourselves versus a dependence on the Holy Spirit? When I was a kid, my, my grandma Burmeister used to come for the summer. Grandma Burmeister was born in 1898. All right, she's not alive anymore. <laughs> Um, and when I was in junior high, I was kind of a punk, and she would come for the summer. She'd watch General Hospital. Yeah, she got our whole family hooked on it at one point, um, but it's interesting. As a junior higher, I, I was not interested. I kind of avoided my grandma. She smelled funny. She had the perfume, old perfume. She was quiet. You know, when we'd, we would eat, we'd all be done in like 10 minutes. She'd be there an hour later still eating, Mom would make us sit at the table until it was done. 
So I, I just avoided her at times. I'm proud of it or anything. I could have engaged her at any time. I could have entered in with her. But for a long season, I didn't do that really until high school when I kind of unpunked at that point. The point is that she was, she was in the house, right? But, but I didn't know her. I didn't experience her. And just because we have the Spirit in us doesn't mean we know the Spirit. It doesn't mean we know what he wants. It doesn't mean we automatically are tuned in or listening to the Spirit. It doesn't mean that we're available to the Spirit. So I want to say this as powerfully as I can this morning. We have got to know and understand who the Holy Spirit is. As much as we need the blood of Jesus to be forgiven, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to grow and to be like Christ. Or we will do it in our own flesh. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. And and we have an active role to play in pursuing the Spirit. Now, we can't make what the Spirit wants to happen happen. He acts how he's going to act, but we can yield to the Spirit. There's a partnership that happens between us and the Spirit. And we are intended to, to be desperately dependent on him for our life and how we go about it. We're told in 1 Corinthians 12, which we looked at earlier, that we're to drink. We're to drink. What does that mean? That's a powerful picture, isn't it? If you don't drink physically, right? If you don't drink, you die. We were meant, we were given the spirit to drink from again and again in our life. And we're told, we're even commanded not to go to other places to drink, but to drink from the spirit. Ephesians 5.18 tells us, don't be drunk with wine that leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That, that word in the Greek, be filled, is be continuously filled with the Spirit. Keep drinking. Constantly look to embrace the direction of the Spirit. Now, there's a lot of debate. I didn't really want to get into this today because it's a sidetrack. Because... There's debate about, like, some people believe that the Spirit comes fully when, at our salvation. Others believe that there's a, a later baptism of the Spirit. Um, personally, I don't believe that. As I look at Scripture, I see there's one uh, time when the Spirit enters, and then there are fillings that happen in our life as we yield to the Spirit and as He does His work. We're called to, though, we're called to yield. So what's it mean to be filled with the Spirit. Billy Graham um, talked about this. He's an evangelist. I think uh, enough time has gone by that I need to explain who he is. Um, he's an evangelist that did God used to, to reach millions of people with the gospel. And he said, when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior, our spiritual capacities are extremely small. At that moment, we've surrendered to him as Lord and Savior as best we know how to, It may even be proper to say that we're filled with the Spirit at that time in the sense that we are under the influence and control of the Spirit. However, there's still many areas of our lives which which need to be yielded to His control. And we may not even be aware of them at that moment. When we grow in the grace and understanding and knowledge of Christ, our spiritual capacities enlarge. And that is 
by the Holy Spirit. So Ephesians 5, which I just read, presents this idea that we can be under the influence and control of something else that can actually prevent us from being under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit. In this case, the example used is wine, right? Because what does wine do? If you drink too much of it, it alters you, right? It alters being able to be influenced. It alters control. But wine is just one example. Don't be drunk. We talk about this all the time around here. Don't be drunk with your phones. Don't be drunk with social media. Don't be drunk with your politics or your games. Gaming is a huge issue now of control. It's taking over a lot of people. Don't be drunk with your sports, your work, your money. That doesn't mean you can't do those things, but we're talking about influence and control. Who's calling the shots in your life? When you're drunk, you're not under the control and influence of the Spirit is who is the one who transforms us. So when that happens, we, we become we become less and less available. Our yieldedness diminishes. We stop listening to the Spirit. We stop asking what the Spirit would want. If it goes on long enough, the Spirit actually becomes now an obstacle to us, to the flesh, because the flesh wants what the flesh wants. Now, we don't lose Jesus or the Spirit when this happens, but we seriously stunt our growth in Christ to become more like him. And it has a trickle-down effect on the rest of our family. It has a trickle-down effect to this body too. So Paul talked about this battle that goes on between the flesh and the spirit. He talks about it in several places. Let's look at Romans 8. It says this, for those who live according to the flesh, what comes naturally, our sinful nature, right? set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, and this is where Paul so good at reminding them who they are. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. That's actually supposed to be read since the spirit of God dwells in you. That if is supposed to be read that way in the, in the language. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So there's this raging battle going on for control and influence. On one side, we've got the greatest champion, the life giver, the Holy Spirit. On the other side, we've got our flesh, which is literally a death giver. Because in our flesh, we're hostile to God. We forget who we are. We forget the truth. And if it goes on long enough, we end up grieving the Spirit of God. So in Galatians, Paul talks about this again in Galatians And he gets to the end of that section. He says in Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's walk with the Spirit. Many of you are really good at at keeping in step, right, with what's going on in our world, uh, current events, things like this. 
we're meant to be, be in step with what the Spirit is doing and how he's moving. Billy Graham, again, he said, Christians have more equipment and technology for evangelizing the world than ever before, and there are better trained personnel. But one of the great tragedies of the present hour is this. Christians so lack the fullness of the Spirit with its true dependence on God's power for their ministry, for their lives. So what does it look like? What does it look like? How do I set my mind on the Spirit? We can do these things. This is what the scripture tells us. This is what helps us set our mind in the sphere. First, ask. Jesus said in Luke 11, listen, as much as fathers on earth like to give good gifts, the father does more. So he says in, in Luke eleven thirteen, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So we ask. Second, the word of God plays a huge role in the Spirit, setting our minds on what the Spirit wants. The Spirit illuminates, it teaches, it reminds us through the Word of God. Ephesians 6, 17 says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In Hebrews 4, it says the Word actually is alive and active, and it, it penetrates, it penetrates into, and it judges our attitudes, the thoughts of our heart. That's how we set our mind on the Spirit. We're also told in Ephesians 6.18, which that's a misprint there, should be 6.18, to pray in, in the Spirit, pray on all occasions. We read earlier about drinking from one Spirit together. That's all over the New Testament. And then, finally, consider. Consider how to walk in step with the Spirit. What does the Spirit want what does the Spirit do? Who is the Spirit? We know what the Spirit's trying to do in us, right? Because what he's trying to do is produce fruit in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He's trying to produce those things in us. And he is absolutely committed to transforming us to be like Christ. If it takes blowing up our lives, he'll do it for the sake of drawing us more. He's bent on our transformation. Sometimes he'll use a quiet voice. Hey, remember what Jesus said about forgiveness? How does that apply? So we've got this champion on our side. We've got somebody who's championing us. And at the cross, we've already been made right with God, and the Holy Spirit is just it's trying to get us, to champion us, to live in who God has already made us to be. So let's close with those questions. Why am I not experiencing the Spirit? That's the first one. Why am I not experiencing Spirit? I think this actually may be the wrong question to ask. Well, it depends. If the question we're asking is, why am I not experiencing the signs that I saw in Acts 2, the tongues, the fire, I think we're asking the wrong question because we have seen time and time again that it is God who apportions the Spirit as he wills where it's going to be. So I think we're asking the wrong question if we're looking at that as the evidence. But if you're asking, why am I not experiencing the transforming power of Jesus in my life? 
I'd ask some questions. One, is the Holy Spirit, one, do you know Christ? And, and is the Holy Spirit you have in you, is he more like grandma? Somebody to be avoided. Are you actively engaging him? Are you yielded to him? Are, do you set your mind on what he thinks about? Or are you maybe drunk with something else? It's not a matter of how much we have God's spirit because God has, in Christ, we've been given the fullness of the Holy Spirit, all right? It's a matter of, of how much of me God's spirit has. Let me say that again. It's not a matter of having all of God's fullness, the Holy Spirit. It's a matter of how much God's spirit has of me. And the results of being led by the Spirit are what you see here. Now, we're human. Our response is to become more enamored with the gifts of the Spirit, right? Than to sit back and say, am I loving more? Am I joyful? Am I, do I have peace? Is that a part of my life? Remember, the Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted and ultimately to the cross. The Spirit accomplishes the will of God, not our desires. Okay? He accomplishes the will of God. And I'll just say this real quick. I'm not going to get too much into this, but if you want to read some fascinating stuff, read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, where it talks about the gifts. One of the most fascinating things to me is, that at the end of chapter 12, as Paul does address some of the gifts, and he does, he talks about that there are gifts that are, um, he calls them higher gifts, okay? Uh, gifts like um, apostleship, uh, prophecy, teaching, uh, miracles, healing, helping, administration, various kinds of tongues, right? Um, and, but then he says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? And the interpretation, the implied thing is no. But earnestly desire them. So there's that command there. But most people miss the next verse at the end of chapter 12, which says, and I will show you a more excellent way. A more excellent way. And it goes into chapter 13, where it says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clang cymbal. If I've got special gifts of prophecy. If I can remove mountains with my faith, but I have not love, I'm nothing. So we can look to the gifts or to the fruit of the Spirit in our lives to say, do we love? Or are we focused on some external sign or symbol? In the end, who I want to be is, is, is Barnabas. In Acts 11, it, it's a great, this is a great verse. In Acts 11, Barnabas has, has been called to Antioch, and it says when he arrives, he looks around, sees what God has done there, and he's glad, and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. That was his gift, right? The gift of encouragement, and he did it. And then it says in verse 24 of chapter 11, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. What a great thing. He was full of the Holy Spirit. 
He was yielded. He was open. And he used the gift that God gave him to encourage and build up the kingdom with it. So what we learned today was three things. God apportioned the spirit according to his will. It's up to him. Two, the spirit is active in our coming to Jesus and being transformed to be like Jesus. And three, we have got a role to play in pursuing the spirit and yielding to God's spirit. And brothers and sisters, what you want out of your leadership here at LCC is not the ability to have some special program or some big thing. It's people who are submitted to the Spirit of God, who are praying, who are yielded and open and ready to respond to how he might blow. That's who we want to be. Let's pray. God, even now, we pause and we ask for your spirit to, to work in each of our lives, God. And if we, if we don't know the Savior, if we don't know Jesus, God, what a compelling thing you've done in your word to show us who the spirit is and the incredible life you have planned for us in Christ. And God, we want to be people who are yielded to your spirit. We live in this world, this battle between our flesh and your spirit. And God, we want to take more ground. We want your spirit to be more active in our life. We want to be yielded. We want to be available. We want to be engaged. We want to be in step and walk with your spirit so that we're led by him, so that we're used to accomplish your will and your plan. God, we surrender today. We surrender. Give us the picture of eternity in our minds, not the moment here on earth, but the full scope of what you're doing and how you're accomplishing your will in us by your spirit. We love you. God, take us deeper. Take us deeper. We pray these things in your name. Jesus, amen. Señor Jesús, te damos gracias, Señor, por esta mañana. Gracias, Señor, por tu palabra en nuestras vidas. Te rogamos, Señor, que tu Espíritu Santo pueda ser derramado en cada uno de nosotros y que sacamos de este lugar, Señor, renovados en tu presencia. Bendice nuestra semana. Bendice nuestra familia, Señor. Y nunca, Señor, aparte tu rostro, Señor, de nuestras vidas. En el nombre de Jesús, oramos. Amén. All right. Good morning. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is JR. I lead the next... Oh, you guys can have a seat. Uh, and I lead the next gen teams. Have a seat. Uh, here at LCC. And it's May, which means something large for seniors, our seniors in high school, generally. So I um, invited my friend Audra here. So we have about eight seniors, uh, and Audra is going to represent for all of them this morning. So way to go. Um, but Audra, I've got a picture of your family that's coming up here. And would you, would you introduce us to these folks? So on the left is my dad, Dan. He's sitting over there. 
And next to him is my mom, Kristen, and then my brother, Caleb, and me. And this them visiting me at work. I work for the Clippers. And since you brought it up, I wasn't going to make a scene out of that, but now I will. So what is it that you do at the Clippers? Like, if we show up to a Clippers game, what might we see you doing? So I'm on the promo team, and the people on the promo team, they throw shirts, and they help with stuff on the field. But my favorite thing to do is the hot dog race. I get to run, and my favorite hot dog is Mickey Mustard. I refuse to put on any other costume. So if you come to a Clippers game, there's a 99% chance that I'm the one in the Mickey Mustard costume. I love it. I love it. So let me, talk to, let me talk to senior parents this morning. And honestly, a lot of this goes to all our parents. But, you know, there's so many, when it comes to parenting, there's so many firsts and lasts. And the, and the senior year of high school certainly highlights that in, in this season. Um, and there's so, many, there's so many changes that come all throughout parenting. There's changes in how you relate to your parents. There's changes in how parents relate to their kids. Um, and this, again, this just highlights another one of those big changes that, that are coming, coming down the pike. But if we think back, there's been a lot of changes that, as parents, we've already survived, right? Like, when they, when they started holding up their head for the first time, like, the relationship changed. And then when they could figure out how to tie their own shoes, it changed again. The first day of school, or how about the day at school where they could go to the bus stop without you, right? Or to the driver's license, or now we get to graduation of senior year. And yet, in the middle of all those changes, there's something that has stayed the same, I think. And it's this desire to see our kids thrive and to see them, to see them flourish in the area of relationships with your, with your families, um, in the area of their future. Like, what's, what's next? What's going to become in their journey? And, in the, and especially, as we sit here this morning, in the area of faith. What do we what do we do with faith? So a few years ago, we came across this book that we normally hand out to parents this time of year. Um, and it's this book called Growing With. And in there, there's this quote that, that defines the idea. What is growing with? Because I think what we're saying is, hey, throughout all these changes, what we're asking is for you to grow with your parents, and your parents to grow with you and acknowledge the fact that it doesn't look the same all along. So here it is. And it says, growing with is a mutual journey of intentional growth for both yourselves and your children that trust God to transform us all. And if we, if we focus on that last bit for a second, the trusting God to transform us all, you know, we can, we can pursue relational parenting and intentional parenting and have all these goals as parents. But at the end of the day, we acknowledge there are no magic parenting formulas. And, and the only sure thing is parents that God loves you, that he loves your children, and he's entrusted you to each other. And your kids are a good gift. You are a good gift to your parents. Okay, so a little bit for you. And again, all your representees, wherever they may be. Um, first, I, just some things I want you to hear. Here, say, and I, I, these don't have to be things you remember right in this moment necessarily, but I sure hope these are ones that at the right moment in your journey, maybe when you need it, they click for you. Um, and for our other seniors too. Uh, first, we aren't saying goodbye. This isn't like, sweet, that's been a fun 18 years. Uh, peace be with you. Um, this, is, this is we're welcoming you into this community as an adult or as an emerging adult. And um, because we love you, we think the world of you, all of our seniors, and we're for you. Um, the second thing is if you don't want to, you don't have to go into this next season alone. There's a, there's a support system that is true of the body of Christ. Um, 
And then the third thing, and this is probably my biggest one, is that you and all of our seniors will always belong here, no matter how long you're away. And being away can mean some different things, right? Like, it can mean, like, job training. I'm away for job training. I'm just not here. It can mean, like, hey, I'm making this faith thing my own, and it means some deconstruction and reconstruction and trying to put these pieces back together. But no matter what it is at any point along the way, just know that you always have a place here. And to all of our seniors, you always have a place with us. Okay, you guys sitting out here, all of us, I can't sit here and say things like that and it not be all of us in it together, okay? Um, so I want to remind us that we have a responsibility of, of really all the kids that are part of, and we're talking about seniors in particular this morning, so let's, let's stay focused here. Um, you can pursue them, and you have this within you to pursue them. You, because I know you have it within you because I know you can send a text, send an email, come say, hey, would you grab a coffee? And you can ask simple questions like, what are you up to lately? What's next for you? Um, what are you learning lately? How's, how's things with you and Jesus? Like, just any, any just simple questions. Just the fact that, like, you will ask means something. It's important to be pursued. Think about what it's like when someone pursues you. And, and this isn't like a, well, I hope the seniors do at least 50% of that work, and, and I'll put in my 50%. Like, let's just own that this is probably 80%, 20%, okay? We need to take, we need to take the extra effort on it. So, um, so let's do that this morning. Uh, when we're done here, Lee's going to come, come on down. We're going to do announcements. And, and when we're done, I would love for you to just come say hey to Audra. I won't make you sit up here and wait, but she is sitting right over there. Um, and if you're sitting next to another senior, you know, go just turn and say, say hey, and remind, here's what you could do. You could just remind them, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. Or introduce yourself. Hey, I'm so-and-so. Uh, and their parents, too. This is a season full of blurry eyes and, and feeling all the changes, too, for them. So remind them that you're with them as well. Okay? And in the words of a friend of mine, if you're sitting there saying, that's going to be weird. That's going to be awkward. I will tell you that weird and awkward are not the enemy. So let's, let's not let that get in the way of pursuing people. Okay? All right. Thanks for hanging with me, Audra. All right. You can head on back. Thanks, Audra. Welcome to the family of adults. And we've got groups around here if you want to get plugged in. Any of our seniors, we have a young adults group, actually. That's really cool from what I hear, led by some really cool people. Got a whoop from Brett. Oh, and Logan, we've got some of our young adults here. Can introduce you. Um, we actually have groups. I don't know if you guys know, but our youth group meets in small groups. Our kids this morning are meeting in small groups. And adults, we have groups for you too. If you're not currently in a group, if it's been a while, or if you're newer around here and looking for a group, Monica, our connections director, is going to lead a little intro to groups in the youth area right out here, right after service. We'd love to meet you, share why we talk about groups so much, why we have them, and help you get started in one. So thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks to everyone online, and we'll see you, oh, in groups this week.